0: Welcome everybody to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. Today we're going to be doing a quick recap and kind of just projecting into the future. I am Matt and I'm here with Jake. Jake you want to say hi to everybody?
1: Yeah what's going on everybody? Happy holidays. Hope you guys had a super Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, Hope everyone's staying safe.
0: I mean let's talk about this Cardinals game. 20 to 12 victory. It was... Not the most ideal time to win a game, but I do have to admit it was a really fun game to watch. We got to see two guys that I think are kind of surging at the perfect time if they're going to have a future with this team, and those two guys are Jeff Wilson and Akello Witherspoon. Both of them played very well. Akello had the pick in the end zone. Also, early on in the game, he kind of looked like he got torched by Christian Kirk, and if you rewatch that play, Kirk fully extends and pushes him off. Like, it was... in my mind it was a missed call and honestly like receivers are going to get catches on corners. That's just bound to happen. We look at how good Jason Verrett's been this year and and he's been beat a bunch of times, you know, like that's just what happens playing corner, but the dude played a fantastic game and Jeff Wilson, I think has almost moved himself into the conversation of being a one, two punch with, with Raheem Mostert next year, which I'm actually thrilled about. I think those two guys complement each other really well, but jake anything to add on on those two guys
1: i kind of want to shift really quick um just for a second so we've kind of seen the last 24 to 48 hours if you're a 49ers fan it seems like richard sherman it's kind of a foregone conclusion that you know he's on his way out he's been you know replying to fans it's you know my time here has been great whatever we'll get into you know more of that later but um Why would you, you know, if you're the 49ers, why would you just never play Akella Witherspoon all season long? Why would you do that in a contract year where, I don't know, oh, I don't know, maybe your veteran corner that you've been relying on the past three seasons is walking because you know he has it in him. You've seen him practice week after week after week, and it's just like, oh, sorry, Akello, you're just not playing again this week because there's apparently better guys in front of you. No, man, this is a strategic move, I think, to a degree by the 49ers. Um, they know with the cap going down, there probably is a level of strategy involved, right? Sure, Akello wasn't playing fantastic early on in the season. You know, I mean, he literally like wasn't even coming in when he was hurt uh, with, you know, Brian Allen getting absolutely torched. So that says something. Yeah, he, about, he
0: was banged up, right? Like, I mean, He was
1: banged up and they did want to hold him out. But the fact that, you know, it wasn't even like it was a game time decision. Like, I mean, he, you know, he suited up, but he was never really, you know, intended to play that game. That, you know, that speaks volumes about kind of where the direction they were trying to go. I think they're going to try and get him back on a multi-year extension for cheap. like. Look, man, you didn't even play any snaps this year. Let's get you on a two to three year deal worth, oh, I don't know, two three million bucks a year. You you know what say you? And he's like, oh shit, like yeah, sure. And guess what? Now you have a cheap young corner that the next defensive coordinator, if Sala chooses to uh, leave, they can mold them. And then on the Jeff Wilson Jr. front. Um, I've kind of felt like it's been the same thing, right? There's just so many talented running backs on the roster where Shinahan was kind of like, I'm just going to bury this guy low in the depths of our depth chart. So, you know, no one else can see how good this guy is, but we're going to get him back for cheap and I'm just going to make him a beast. And that's what we've like done. That's
0: just always the move with the running backs. I oh, mean, we sure. heard, we heard all the reports about Jermichael Michael hasty, like, they're keeping him on the practice squad. They were hoping no one would take him. Like, they have a ton of faith in him. He he got injured, but, like, they do that all the time, you know? So, yeah. I, I do have to say, though, I disagree with you about Akello. I think the only reason that he hasn't been playing is because he is a madly inconsistent player. Like, one of the most inconsistent corners I've watched. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, and the thing is, it's all about – well, I think, in my mind, it's all about, what like, what's upstairs, where – he'll kind of just like, almost like he's, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but he's almost like in his feelings, like, oh, like I'm not playing well. like it, well, That's just how it looks. It just looks like he gets physically and like mentally frustrated, and then he kind of lacks confidence, and then it's just like he's, he's bad when that happens. I, that's what I really think it is. I don't think it's like a strategic move. I think that they kind of thought Akello's like, they're like, just like, we're done with him. And, but I do think that he... I do think that he's played himself into having another chance with the Niners, which if you would have asked, I think both of us a month or two ago, you would be like, Akello, no, no, Akello's gone. Do you agree with that part at least?
1: For sure, for sure. And I, I want to touch real quick on uh, what you're saying about him. Um, there's a saying in baseball, it's called PMM, and it stands for physical, mental, or mechanics. And it's it's all about pitchers, right? you know, when they when they try and diagnose what's wrong with a pitcher, is it physical, is it mental, or is it mechanical? And I feel like that's kind of, you can apply that to Akello, because we've kind of seen all three, right, throughout his tenure with the Niners. I'd say early on, you could blame it mechanically, right? You know, he, he was young, inexperienced, doesn't know, you know, certain moves that a vet corner would know, etc., that kind of thing. Then, I think as we've gone on down the road here, it's been a lot more physical, you know, right, with the injuries. And then after injuries, it becomes mental, right? It's almost like the second that he gets hurt, it's he's in his head again. And so I think it's about how do you mold that? How do you shape that? And I think you can work with that. And I think that. You know, unfortunately, that's something that the defensive backs coach and Robert Solid didn't really address as much as some of the other guys, like maybe, say, a Jason Verrett on this team. Maybe Akello's just not that good. But regardless, I still think he is, like you're saying, playing himself back into a, you know, a role in some capacity on this defense, especially with cap space moving down next season.
0: No, yeah, 100%. But let's kind of move on from those guys. One person I have to bring up, and we will have a very positive, positive news, I guess, in a second here. But CJ Beathard, I'm hearing, oh, CJ, look, CJ can do it. CJ's this, CJ's that. CJ is not a starting, a viable starting quarterback, and I don't think he's a viable backup quarterback. Cool, he came in and scored 20 points. <laughs> nice. He also looked terrible, and he posted a 31 QBR with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Now, you can look and go, oh, his passer rating was really good. I think I've talked to you about this with you, Jake. Passer rating is almost a metric that is figuring out the efficiency of an offense. It's really a bad metric to to grade a quarterback on, where QBR is grading him on, is he making hard throws? Is he missing easy throws? And it's a much more performance-based stuff. So... I think that he is not going to be the backup quarterback anymore. I, I certainly hope he's not. I would much rather see Josh Rosen out back there as a backup next year. I know a lot of people are super high on him. I am not that high on Josh Rosen. However, I think I, you toss him in to, to spot start a couple games, I think you have much better odds than rolling with C.J. Beathard for two, three weeks. I think we might see C.J. look horrible against the Seahawks. That's just kind of how his career's been um, because he has his pocket presence is abysmal it is so bad and it doesn't look any better also me and Jake we we talked about this a lot uh, i don't know if we talked about it on the show but he'd never beat out nick Mullins. <laughs> that's the issue and a lot of people the r- rumors about that were was that he looked terrible in practice like they couldn't throw him out there a lot of times the script is so easy for him it and i don't know i just wanted to bring that up because i don't think he's he's a great player at all but the positive thing i want to bring up Pay Fred Warner. I'm not big on just breaking every guy off. You have to pay the very, very elite players. Like you, you can't double think that. Fred Warner may be the best linebacker in the league, and if he's not, doesn't really matter because he is a guy that makes the defense work. He is a guy that helps so much. He had, what, 15 tackles, three passes defended, a forced fumble, and a recovered fumble. One of those pass deflection was on fourth and two, basically sealed the game where he drop looks like he's gonna pass uh, rush the passer, drops back and then knocks the ball down. He is an absolute monster and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pay him big money. and I don't think that the 49ers are even like questioning doing that. I think that's an app like you have to make that move. He is going to be he I mean he could be a Hall of fame Hall of famer like legitimately he's not there yet, of course not, but what is he 25 years old? Yeah, he's he's,
1: he's he's I think he's like twenty four, twenty five, which is insane. Touching on CJ before I get into um, Fred, you know, Kyle, he had said that he had hoped that he would be the solid backup by year three, year four, and he just never turned into that. And you know that's kind of unfortunate, right? Because if the guy you drafted very highly two, three years ago is right he was a third round pick you know like you don't just spend a third round pick on a nobody you you hope for him to develop he never did he couldn't even beat out nick mullins who we know is like one of the least efficient quarterbacks in the nfl so that's why i'm kind of hyped up on rosen um rosen is not a lost cause this guy doesn't get picked what was it number 10 overall if he's not good and both years he started right people always like to talk about Oh, you know, uh, Rosen's not good. Well, he's played behind the number 32 offensive lines both years. And by the way, this is how bad the number 32 offensive lines were those two years. Number 31 was closer to number 15 than it was to number 32 in terms of pass block efficiency. So, Josh Rosen, you got to cut the kids some slack. He's been on some historically historically bad uh, offensive lines. Now, on to Fred, absolutely, you pay the guy. You just you can't cheap out because you look at what happened this year. You lose Buckner. You lose Ford. You lose Bosa. You lose DJ Jones for a period of time. Kinlaw is still raw and developing. You get, you know, Eric Armstead not producing at all how he should be. And all these things, Sherman goes down in the secondary. Tart goes down. I mean, you're literally playing on a practice squad level defense and guess who's the anchor of it all. It's Fred Warner. And that for me is enough. And you have to understand something. I know with the cap, it's so hard to pay some of these guys. Linebacker doesn't get paid like an edge or a quarterback you just suck it up you give him the 14 15 million however the you know the highest paid I think middle linebacker is I think it's going to be
0: closer to 20 I really do C-
1: closer to 20 I mean regardless you can't lose much him. however in- much he gets paid I think it's well worth it like I mean you could give this guy 25 million a year no joke and I'd be like yeah well you know It's probably worth it. Like even even that high of money. Like it's it's absolutely absurd to say, but it's like he literally anchors that defense. The defense, like if we win on Sunday, we'll have gone seven and nine with a practice squad defense and Fred Warner. Like that's that's insane.
0: Well, also check this out. You're you're playing in Kyler Murray, the Cardinals' offense, which is regarded as a very good offense. Kyler Murray's been. I don't think he's been ever like one of the like real contenders for MVP, but he's definitely been mentioned in that. In that sense, they're 8 and 7. I think I think they're a little bit overrated of a team. They scored 12 points. <laughs> and the 49ers, it seemed like they almost were resting guys. It was like no Kenlaw, no Sherm, no Jimmy Ward, like there's like so many guys out that it, I mean, I saw it. when the game started I was like, "Oh, damn, they're really resting the defense today." and they scored 12 points why? because also i don't know if you saw his pff grades jake he posted like 93 and on like his coverage and his overall grade just stupid numbers like like it's so good. He'll probably be the best rated linebacker now that that, that was the that he had that like massive week. I'm I'm expecting him to be but also look at the niners. like you brought like practice squad defense. I don't know okay, i don't know if it's that bad, but there's defi- definitely positions where there's massive holes. The thing is, their defense is rated top 10. It's been rated top 10. Their defense has never been the issue. The issue of, and why they're allowing a lot of teams to score a whole bunch of points is because Nick Bullens gives away, you know, 41 points in the span of two games. Like, that's, you just can't deal with that. I, I remember that was the number. That's crazy. So I think we're definitely on page with the, the pay Fred. And it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what, how they construct this roster. Let's get into a little bit of that stuff right now, but
1: the oh, first quick, thing, yeah, real, go ahead. real quick, on the um so this is going to be an interesting wrinkle in talking with the uh, the Fred Warner contract is Bobby Wagner is the highest paid linebacker and his contract is kind of built to make it that way pretty much so that he remains that way. So we probably will have to end up paying him 20 million dollars because Right now, his annual uh, salary, he got paid $15.8 million in 2019. This year, he's making fourteen point seven. million. The next two years, though, 2021 and 2022, he's getting $17 and $20 million. So I would expect he, uh, Fred's contract to probably land in the uh, general realm of probably 18 to $20 million. To I was I was gonna say
0: 18 to 21 is what I'm kinda thinking. A lot different than the current contract he's out that he's on, which is four years, three point nine million. That was a that was a very big time bang for your buck right there. <laughs> oh yeah. That that one was nice. But but to kind of talk about the future of this team, we were talking about some of these guys leaving, talk about Sherm. Get ready for a lot of guys to leave. I think Kwaski Tart's pretty much gone. I think Richard Sherman's pretty much gone. I think it sounds like Kendrick Bourne's pretty much gone. It sounds like there's a lot of guys. I mean, Kevin Coleman gone. Like I mean, a lot of some of these guys like Kevin Coleman, you know, a lot of people aren't super high on. But there's going to be a lot of guys leaving. And let's not freak out about when that happens because the best organizations let guys leave and get their compensatory picks. Look at the Ravens. Oh, yeah. The Ravens have made their money on doing that. Oh, yeah, we'll let that guy leave we'll get a fourth rounder, we'll get a fifth rounder, a third rounder, and then we'll draft his replacement in a year after that or we'll have a guy like in the in the wing basically, I guess, waiting to become the starter. And then oh boom, look, we turned this third round to a, into a quality
1: player. And I think the most recent uh example of that was uh Zedarius Smith, right? Like still an amazing player goes and has a great year with the Packers, but they they had, you know, no love loss there. I mean, they they still crushed it in 2019, right? When they go 14 and two, 13 and three. So, obviously, you want to try and avoid a lot of turnover um, on your roster. But I think from a team perspective, we've already seen Sherman say his goodbyes, and then you're going to have guys like Tevin Coleman walk, and then you know D Ford and Richburg. I think are two very obvious cut candidates at this point.
0: Anyone listening that follows a lot of 49er news probably already knows this stuff like that's It's been talked about a lot, but the one thing I want to bring up and me and Jack were talking about this seems pretty certain that if they're going to get a quarterback in the draft, they're going to have to trade up. There's we're going to have so much quarterback talk on this pod in the off season. That's just how it's going to be. And I don't think they're going to mortgage the future for a guy. I really don't think they are right now. The 49ers are sitting at 15, but they can jump a lot. I'm just going to list out a few guys. And this is this is if they lose next weekend, which I don't think it's like a, like a lock that they're going to lose. They probably will. The Seahawks are technically still playing for the one seed, but both these teams are going to bring it. I think it'll probably be a, a close game. The, the big difference, though, is – it's Russell Wilson versus C.J. Beathard at the quarterback position, so I would lean that Russell Wilson's going to get that one done. Um, if it comes, if it's a close game and comes to crunch time, but we never know. Last last year, Week 17, uh, big play. Dre had a had a nice stop at the goal line, so maybe we'll see something like that. And also, if if that's how the season ends with some crazy play like that, where the Niners have some awesome win against the Seahawks, I'm not going to be like, oh man, you ruined it for draft position. I'm not gonna get like that. I think that this this Cardinals win, though it does potentially maybe hurt the future a little bit, I guess. It it is what it is. Like I'm not like gonna be upset about them winning a game when they right. have key players playing big roles and showing that they're like that they're worth the future. You know, like that you play you play the sport to win. Like they're gonna go out there, they're gonna try to win every single week, and I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't think the tanking mentality of like oh yeah, we're going to tank, like we're going to suck this year. It's not a culture thing. And and Jake, me and you were just talking about this with John Lynch about how big of a deal he is for the culture, for the organization, that when you get – for instance, when you get a young quarterback and you put him into a good coach, good talent, and a good culture and organization, those guys don't bust. It's so rare that they bust. And you look at when a guy busts, and it's like, well, the, either the coach didn't want him, the team sucked, they like they weren't ready to get like a franchise quarterback – or it's just like a franchise that's always bad. I mean, look at the Browns t-shirt, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the famous Browns t-shirt where it's like, oh, yeah, look at these yeah. 30 quarterbacks on here that all suck. It's like, yeah, because their organization is complete garbage. <laughs> and well, and until you fix that, like, so tanking and that stuff, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of it, but I'm going to go through the, the teams really quickly, and then I'll turn it back over to Jake. But here's the teams. Here's who they play next week. Right now the Niners are at 15. Then we have New England. At 14, they're playing the Jets. I expect them to beat the Jets. Minnesota, they're playing the Lions. I expect Minnesota to win that game. The Chargers, they're playing the Chiefs. The Chiefs might be resting players. I don't know. Maybe I think that one's probably kind of unlikely. And then the Cowboys. The Cowboys are playing the Giants. I think they're going to smoke the Giants because that game could potentially be for the division depending on whether or not the football team wins. But dallas minnesota new england could all be jumped and even the chargers could be jumped that could put them to 11 that's that's pretty that's a pretty good spot to be in also there's a few five and or no and then there's also the broncos if the broncos uh ah, who are they playing i just said it do you remember who, I, who it was
1: um oh man the raiders, yeah, the raiders. there you go yep.
0: yeah so and if the broncos beat the Raiders. It seems like they'll—they're likely to have to. The Niners would be if the Niners lose and the Broncos win. It seems likely that they would jump them there. So if they jumped all those teams, they'd be at at the tenth spot, right out there at fifteen. I—I I don't think they're gonna win on Sunday. I—I I think that they're probably gonna fall around like eleven or twelve. And if you're at eleven or twelve, most likely you're gonna have to trade up to like seven, eight, nine to get a quarterback. And I, you're not. And also, people are talking about like. Oh, they're going to trade up for Zach Wilson at two and give up three first round picks and and two seconds and a third. It's like, dude, are you kidding me? No, that is not what's going to happen. This, they would never do that. That's just, that would be a completely foolish move in my mind, but, but you want to kind of give your piece on that?
1: Yeah. So it benefits us to lose this week from a, like a long-term perspective, right? Like, okay, now you kind of have your pick of the litter essentially and now you can be like, hey, I want to trade up. I want to trade down. I always like to be kind of at the turns of the draft. You want to be either at like 10, 20, or 30. Because you're going to get a good chance to get somebody at any point in the draft. You could trade up. You could trade down. You know, you could uh, pick who you want, like a guy who slips to you at your pick. So, you know, if you get the 9, 10, 11 range, it's a really good range to be picking in. But I think you have to kind of win just from a cultural standpoint, because this year, honestly, it reminds me uh, a ton of the Mike McGlinchey draft, right? Where the year that we draft McGlinchy, where we're sitting at whatever pick it was. I believe it was 10 or 11. And we just weren't, we weren't picked 10 or 11. Like, we, that's just not the team we had. And I think what was indicative of that was the winning streak that we went on late into the year, just never felt like we were a, a top 10 pick kind of team. And the same thing goes here, right? Like, look, we've won at bare minimum six games. Like we've won six games. So, you know, we're, we're not a top 10 pick team. Like what, Garoppolo won two games while he was healthy. So the other four were on in Mullins and Bafford. I mean, this is a team where I think, you know, obviously you're going to try and go in. They're going to try and win both for the culture as well as, you know, for players that are playing for their job next year, guys like Akello, because, you know, you always hear that the pros say it, you know, what they put on tape is their resume, right? Like they have to, you know, make sure that they're good on tape. Um, So they're not going to try and lose this game. Obviously it benefits us to lose this game, but I don't think we should be actively trying to tank just because we want to get a top 10 pick. So bringing that up last year, week 17,
0: Akello got completely torched by DK. That's a, this is a big game for him. It's a huge game for him. So, I mean, you bring up like taping the resume. I think that's a hundred percent accurate. I mean, that what else are you going to like base how good a guy is on? Oh, like maybe you can look at like potential and stuff and, you know, maybe he was playing hurt or whatever. But like, you, if you're playing, like, you gotta play, you gotta perform. That's just how it is. So I think this is a massive game for him. I mean, if he looks good, I mean, I know a lot of people are like completely done with Akello. I don't like to do that. I think there's so many NFL players that take a long time to become good quality players. That like anyone at any point in their career can can get can get really good. I mean, look at Raheem. He got cut from like, you know, like 12 teams or whatever, and he's a running back it's a little bit different but but still like there's so many guys that do that so I think that there's a huge chance they do that uh the the organization is not going to tank that's just it's just not how their culture is and I'm I'm happy about that like you don't want to you don't want to be rooting for a team like the Jets like damn we screwed it up we won two games what are we doing we're idiots (laughs) like you know that like if they want a quarterback if Kyle really wants a quarterback if he looks at this draft and goes Justin Fields I think I could make him into a top 5 starter in the league. They're going to get Justin Fields. Unless that he is like, you know what, at the same time I also think I can make Trey Lance a top 5 guy. Then like you get the guy that slides a little bit, you know, but I think that they're going to I think they're going to be in a position where they can move up. And they could maybe move up with Philly, with Detroit, with New York, I don't know. There's a bunch of teams over here. Carolina, they won last week. That helped because they were picking at like four or five and now they're picking at nine i think they're a team that could definitely take a quarterback uh but you can jump them you can jump the giants you can jump the lions you can get up to six if you're sitting at 12 and it's not gonna not gonna cost like three first rounders or whatever that i'm i'm hearing this ridiculous stuff but i mean if they want a guy they're gonna be able to get him, and i think that's the important thing even if they win tomorrow and they move down to pick 16 it's going to be okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. They're going to figure it out, you know? So that's what I think. But also next week, I want to bring this up. We're going to be talking a lot about Robert Sala. He very well could be hired shortly after the 49er season ends. And we'll be talking about potential replacements for defensive coordinator, maybe some in-house guys, maybe some guys that they hire from different teams from, you know, maybe a guy that used to work with Kyle. But that's kind of all I have for you guys today. Jake, is there anything you want to add before we take off?
1: Uh, Last thing I would probably add is just, you know, if we're going to upgrade a quarterback this offseason, I don't want people to overreact, right? This, This was a big, big vote of confidence from Kyle Shanahan that he just gave in his presser yesterday as we're recording this, basically saying Jimmy's the guy. And where have we heard this before? Oh, Josh Rosen's our guy. That was, you know, a couple years ago with Cliff Kingsbury. These coaches have to say these things. Look, every position is going to get looked at to upgrade. That's just what good teams do. I wouldn't expect them to draft a quarterback in the first round. But just know that if Kyle, John, Adam Peters, those guys put on the tape and there's a guy they think that's going to fall to pick, I don't know, five six seven eight and they feel like hey this guy's gonna be our guy he's an upgrade over jimmy garoppolo in the near future they will get that guy trust me on that
0: yeah i i 100 agree also if they if you know kyle saying this and he has no faith in jimmy
1: then they're gonna move on
0: from jimmy too i don't think that's the case i don't i don't think that jimmy's his guy necessarily but I mean, I mean, we've also talked about this so many times. <laughs> but I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm excited. Next week will be our first episode of the offseason. I think that me, Jake, and Aiden, who's not on today, are going to figure out like a cool system on how we're going to have this show made. We're also going to be getting up a, a Twitter account, you know, kind of really publicizing the show a lot, getting you guys some live streams maybe. So we'll be a lot more active. I'm super stoked. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think this off season is is absolutely pivotal for the future. Probably the biggest off season. Probably the biggest off season in Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's time in San Francisco. I definitely. You, you you agree? Like that's pretty clear. I,
1: I would have to say the two most important, at least to this point, would be this upcoming off and then the Bosa draft. I felt like those were two. These are the two off seasons that they have this pressure to nail the, the Bosa one being because, okay, you got your, you know, franchise quarterback, right. You're going into, it would believe it was this either the third, no, it was fourth season, right. Fourth season as head coach. So the pressure was at that point really on to win on both him and John Lynch. They nailed that draft and they nailed that off season with D Ford and guys like that. They need to do the same thing here. You, you have to, I mean, you can't miss.
0: Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for today. Like I said, next week we'll be talking about defensive coordinator, and pretty soon we'll get you guys a, like a full-on system and kind of schedule of how the show's going to go. Maybe get a nice intro in because this one's just us kind of talking to begin it, but it's going to be really exciting. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will have off-season talk next week.